Big news and updates from the Disneyland Resort, a new outpost is coming to Galaxy's Edge, and actual humans have visited Super Nintendo World. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello, and welcome to the Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where his dreams of pickles and turkey legs is all that much closer to reality, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Hey, yeah. Every other week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news happenings and burning topics in the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. So Henry Hall, a Disney cinematic universe made up of the current slate of live action remakes. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I guess take it. <laughs> It kind of depends on what that even means, right? So, like, so specifically, this is referring to uh, the Russo brothers, who you know are, are are big heavy players in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They made a bunch of those heavy hitters, including the uh, the last kind of uh, the last two, right? Yeah. Uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, they are producing uh, the live action Hercules movie because they're doing that. Uh, that was an animated movie, mm-hmm. so of course they're going to make that into a live action movie. And uh, and there was a comment that was made specifically by uh, it was one of the one of the brothers in an interview specifically said like yeah you know Disney's asking us to or, or part of the part of what we're building is something that can be built off of for like a full decade. And there was just the suggestion of a cinematic universe. So as hilarious as it would be to think that like they would be in like a Marvel style universe where like Aladdin and Hercules all live in the same <laughs> universe, I'd be I actually kind of be interested in uh, in what that would turn into. Um, it could also be just, yeah, we're going to make sequels and TV series sort of like what's been happening with or at least some of the plans that are in place anyway, of some of these, uh, these previous live action movies that have come out and done very well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's, I don't know where they're going with this. It just seems kind of weird, but that being said, I do like their work. I think they're really good. I think this is going to be a test for them to do a Hercules, like how it comes off. would really see, show their talent i mean i mean they can definitely do uh action sequences and whatnot but uh, it's just gonna be uh, I i guess i trust them to do stuff at this point um but this is gonna be tricky trying to do like i mean i guess hercules makes sense for them because it was you know one that they could do some action sequences off of but these but yeah the uh the live action movies have been so so all over the place as far as how they're doing them. I mean, Mulan was like, you know, it was a Kung Fu movie. It was definitely not, you know, they were not following what happened in the, in the animation. And then, and then you had like Beauty and the Beast that was, 
taking that was trying to do some of the animation but then went off on the other background stuff and and then you had the lion king which is definitely like not it, it just there's so many different ways that these movies have gone i don't you know maybe maybe they're talking about a cinematic universe and that they're going to try and make them more consistent in how they're approaching them yeah uh, but i don't know it's uh yeah it's uh it's weird like i'm very mixed about this because uh, right i mean generally with the the live action movies that we've had so far i mean i don't even i can't even really use the word disappointing because they are kind of what I guess you, they are what they are in that, for the most part, you're right, except Mulan, you're pretty much getting hit for hit, kind of blow for blow, literal remakes of movies that have already existed and that kind of generally you're going in knowing that the original is going to be better, or at least the 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 animated one that inspired the uh, the live action one is, is going to be better. So for that, it, for me, they're just kind of not that interesting um, it, it is a little bit more interesting to then think, well, they're building off of kind of something that is, is <laughs> kind of, uh, by default, uh, uh, you know, uh, a base to build off of and, uh, and then making sequels and other projects off of that. Um, just because, well, I guess that's original, but then you kind of look at what is already in place for the plans or at least the little that we know about these plans for other projects and i don't know they're not that interesting <laughs> like, you know so they what we know at least as far as i know uh is there's the beauty and the beast series that they're making that focuses on gaston and lefou uh which is kind of like i I'm not, nobody was asking for that. I'm not particularly interested in that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe when that trailer comes out, they're going to have a spin and a take that makes something unique that makes it a little bit more compelling and interesting. But like, again, it's just one of those things like nobody was asking for this. I, I didn't, when I watched that movie, I wasn't like, man, I really want to see more adventures with these two. It was quite the opposite. <laughs> I was, they were, they were not that, they were not a very compelling piece of that movie. So, uh, yeah, that's a big kind of head scratcher. And then, um, you know, we know that there's a sequel in the works for a, an Aladdin movie, but we don't know that much about it. We know that there's a sequel in the works for a Lion King movie, Lion, a second Lion King movie. The only thing that we've heard from that is that, um, it's the director or one of one of the writers, one of the creatives involved in it likened it to a Godfather two type of movie, which again is like, what are we making here? <laughs> uh, not, not what you would expect. And like on the surface, that in and of itself is interesting, but, uh, but again, it's just like, uh, okay, different is good, but I don't, I don't know if this is the kind of different that we want to be going for, but you know, you know, like I said, we'll see. Maybe that's uh, maybe that'll be something. Maybe that'll be something that uh, that'll be pleasantly surprised with. But yeah, I don't know, man. The uh, the idea of building a Hercules live action film that can be kind of uh, broken out into other franchise, you know, turned into a franchise that can be built off of for a decade is kind of like, yeah, I don't, whatever, <laughs> sure. You know, I think the uh, thing is, is like thinking about like the Russo brothers doing it. I just feel 
that it's going to be very different from the animated movie. So I just, it's just, it's, it's kind of, I think, a, I don't know if it's doing justice to the fact that they should just maybe just do a Hercules movie and step instead of trying to like, or a Hercules franchise and try and then just say, we're not, we're not doing the animated movie. We're just doing a whole new Hercules thing. Cause you know, over the years, Hercules has had tons of like movies and, and representations in movies and, uh, and even TV shows, of course. And that, that's fine. It's a, you know, he's a, he's a character from myth and, and legend. So you can do use that character, but maybe just do something, you know, more original, I guess, with him and not try and liken it to the animated movie because, you know, more than likely this, this movie's not going to be the animated one and people who are going who love the animated movie are probably not going to like it. You're just kind of setting yourself up for like setting people up for disappointment, I think, but it may be good, a good movie in of itself. Just don't call it like, you just call it like Hercules, the, you know, the adventures of Hercules or something. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that is the <laughs> TV show, but I yeah. mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a good point. I think my initial feeling towards that would be like, well, the difficulty you have is that, <laughs> is that you have these other kind of pieces that are so closely associated with Disney Hercules, right? You have James Wood as Hades. You have um, Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, you have Bobcat Goldthwait. You've got Danny DeVito, right? So it's like you've got you got Meg. You've got these characters that uh, are so closely associated that I almost my again natural instinct is to say, well, if you have a Hercules movie that doesn't include those, it's kind of a big turnoff to people. Now, as you pointed out, they did just that for Mulan, and so I don't. The, the hard part with the Mulan comparison. Is it because it went to streaming directly? We just don't know if that would have had an effect on, uh, effect on box office. It sounded like they made uh, some dough off of that, in that they were charging in order to stream it initially. But uh, but yeah, it's a hard one to tell. I don't know. There's a lot going on with that movie anyway, so. So it's a hard example to go off on. Yeah, I think at this for at least for 2020 and 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 most of 2021 these movies that are like releasing directly to like streaming uh that do well like Wonder Woman 1984 uh I think they should they should have like, you know, with their success, they should have an asterisk because uh, People are watching these things because there's nothing else. They basically have watched everything else on the streaming services and they're just like starving for entertainment of new movies and stuff, especially like a movie that has like a movie quality level, a big budget movie uh, budget, I guess, uh, production quality and so they're watching anything you know if you look at wonder woman 1984 i think of all my friends i've had one person say they like it and everybody else just 
disliked it and then it's 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 done great like it's it's made a lot of like it had a lot of views uh warner sees it as a uh as a success and they're like uh they're fast tracking wonder woman 3 but i don't know anybody who really liked the the second one except for one person and their tastes are definitely very very questionable (laughs) (laughs) henry how dare you man do you take that back about me uh no i did i did not like wonder woman it was not uh not my not my thing for sure but uh you're definitely right though i mean we need no more examples of movies that aren't great that still do amazingly well in the box office than many of the Disney live action remakes. So yeah, I, I hear what you're saying for sure. Uh, and maybe that is in and of itself to say like, listen, people are just going to go see Disney Hercules, you know, however it's structured and whoever it includes and isn't. I mean, like I said, I do remember there were a lot of people complaining like where's Mushu with, uh, with Mulan. I, I but, like we said, because it because it streamed predominantly, we have no idea if that online upset was the vocal minority, which it oftentimes is, or you know people complain and then still go see it, which oftentimes happens anyway. Um, you know, or if like it was a significant enough kind of shift. You also have the fact that you know really that movie, a big part of that movie was made for the Chinese audience, and then you know, that made things a little more complicated and there's just a lot going on with that movie. So it's, it's hard to use that as a, as, as your prime example, but, uh, but regardless, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And you're right. The Russos are an interestingly enough kind of creative duo that, uh, that, yeah, I'm, this one maybe stands a chance, but we'll see. I want to see the trailer first before casting any judgment. Well, it's one of those things where I think I'll admit that I am definitely uh, part of the reason why they keep doing these live action Disney movies, because I think I keep going like, (laughs) maybe this one is going to be the one. And to be fair, I did get a kick out of Aladdin. Um, But that being said, I did not see the last two. I didn't see Lion King and I still haven't seen Mulan. So they haven't appealed to me enough to 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 actually like spend time to watch them. Mm. The real question is, will Lou Ferrigno have a cameo in this live action Hercules? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. Man, he was in he did two of the Hercules movies. Oh yeah. man. I remember those. You gotta get on that, Henry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think he is. I, he's not. He's not tied to him enough. No. And I definitely don't think Kevin Sorbo is going to make. <laughs> yeah, I think he's persona non grata. Yeah, I think so. I think. Uh, I think Zena canceled him for sure. Yeah. Although you might. You might get like. Uh, you might get Lucy Lawless in there. Maybe. There you go. That'd be all right. Yeah. I like her. Yeah. <laughs> well. Henry, uh, are you ready to not not feel a little bit older? (laughs) Because believe it or not, dude, Disney California Adventure just celebrated its 20th anniversary on February 8th. It's it's a little crazy to think about, man. (laughs) 
that, that park has been there for 20 years. It feels like not that long ago that I remember hearing about them putting a new park where that big parking lot that they used to have was and just hearing that it was going to be a California themed park and feeling like it was the dumbest idea I had ever heard. I'm still not convinced that it was the right, <laughs> the right theme to go for, for your California park. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I do remember like them saying that, yeah, we're going to do a, a California themed park. And he's just like, but you, you live in California. Like, why am I going to go? <laughs> I can visit these places. Why am I going to go to the theme park where I visit these places? <laughs> that is, uh, that was kind of a, a weird thing. And I remember going there the first time I, I did go to um, California adventure. I was very bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It had a, uh, it had a very rough <laughs> few years for sure. I mean, it, uh, it just to briefly touch on the history. I mean, you know, it, it initially was going to be when you, when you hear, about the plans that were initially pitched was supposed to be Westcott, right? Like the West Coast version of Epcot. This was their blue sky pitch anyway. And it had just like so many amazing things to it. It had its own version of Spaceship Earth, which had its own kind of unique look, but paid homage to the original in in Florida. And so, yeah, it just, it was, it looked, it looked amazing. when <laughs> You look at those sketches and of course, way too expensive but uh, but then, uh, you know, California Adventure had the unfortunate uh, luck of being coming coming around at the same time as Euro Disney just was bombing like crazy out in Paris. And so because of that, they pretty much had to just just really slash the budget on everything. And of course, that was uh, that was a big part of it. And their and their theme, their idea for making a California based park was that I guess in a lot of surveys they were getting, guests were coming in from out of town and only seeing Disneyland as like a stop along their normal uh, their normal vacation of California. And so, uh, th- again, like I don't, this doesn't make any sense to me, but someone someone's idea was, well, if we bring the uh, the attractions of California that they would be going to visit after the park, if we bring that to a new theme park, people will be less inclined to uh, travel outside and they will just stay in. And if they want to see Yosemite, they can see, you know, Grizzly Peak. And if they want to see San Francisco, they can go to the Palace of Fine Arts here. Uh, And if they want to go to like a boardwalk area, they've got, anyway, it's it's just like ludicrous that someone actually thought that that was going to fly and that even more so that it was approved. Because I have to imagine it has to go through many layers of approval but, uh, but yeah, that was wild. And so because of that was their concept, uh, and then, yeah, the budget was so low. Yeah. It was just, it was a very, very big failure on release. It was like, you know, they had no real, I think the one e-ticket attraction they had was soaring around the world. Mm-hmm. That was like the first debut of that ride and that ride system. And it was like, Whoa, this is amazing. But outside of that, you did have California screaming. That's right. And uh, and that was fun. But yeah, definitely not what you would say is like a big, big e-ticket kind of attraction. Yeah, the, the park just felt very low rent because it was. I pulled this stat just to, just to really give an indication of 
how poorly the park was received and how it was just roundly rejected by Disney park goers when it came out. Because you oftentimes hear about like how low attendance was, but just like you don't always have those that that context of kind of data around it. So I pulled this uh, I pulled this quote in the fir- in its first year the park only averaged 5,000 to 9,000 visitors on weekdays and 10,000 to 15,000 on weekends, despite having a capacity of 33,000. So at most, this park was less than half full. Mm. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy to think that uh, that there was a point that that was like, <laughs> that was going on over there. And so, yeah, over the years, they have just poured in Tons of uh, tons and tons of money, billions of dollars to really refurbish the park and bring it back and at least make it feel like it's uh, it is a Disney park and not just some kind of like mall attraction. (laughs) Right. And so uh, and so, yeah, it's it's been it's definitely been crazy over these 20 years just to see where it's kind of, uh, you know, evolved into where it is now, where. You know, you do have Avengers Campus that we're looking forward to. Uh, you know, you have, uh, we've got, you know, Paradise Pier is now Pixar Pier, but you've got Guardians over there. Uh, you've even, even though it is still kind of a small park, it's definitely not like your like big premier park. That's always going to be Disneyland. It does feel comfortable. Am I right? Yeah. I think uh, for me, like starting in, 2014 I started to like we we visited it and I really really enjoyed myself over there uh, I think part of it is that it was a bit more on the adult side uh, of it and they had a lot of interesting uh, they had different entertainment over there that kind of like blew my mind when I saw it so, like, I think at that time they were doing the Mad Tea Party at that point. So it was like, whoa, they got, like, a live band, a cover band here. And they have, like, you know, dancers and all that stuff. And that's pretty cool. You know, it was just, it it didn't seem very Disney to me. But it also was, like, it was just different. And I think that's what they were at least using, uh, starting to use. Well, I guess they may not be starting at that point. It was just I start I noticed it, uh, but they were use they've been using like, you know, Disney is Disneyland is very Disney, but they get very experimental with uh, California Adventure. So, I think that's kind of like a cool thing, at least for them, uh, for the park. And then, of course, you know, so they they experiment with the uh, with the the entertainment there. I mean, they're not going to be crazy but although mad tea party was pretty crazy for being still well, associated and, with and i mean world of color is pretty crazy too i mean it really is one of the better if not best kind of nighttime shows that is at a disney park i mean it is spectacular oh yeah it's definitely very good um like i said i think they experiment a little bit more with the uh, california adventure uh which is which is nice um, but, uh, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely grown and it took a while, uh, to, to really like grow. Yeah. And now I, I really have a good, good time at, uh, 
at DCA, but uh, it definitely took a while because I remember the first time I went there, man, I was bored out of my mind. And I think Soren was like literally the only thing I think I remember writing at that yeah. point. I don't even think I went on California screaming. Yeah. Just like, uh, you know, the attractions that they were advertising, there was like a, uh, a Whoopi Goldberg movie, <laughs> which about like California and the history of California. It's now where, you know, the little mermaid ride is in that, uh, palace of fine arts. But like, that was an attraction they were advertising, like Whoopi Goldberg history of California. Uh, there was like a, 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 a just a really kind of boring farmstead that was set up. Just like, hey, this was the this was California. This was uh, this is kind of what's going on here, and it just wasn't particularly interactive or interesting. They had a they had a tortilla factory, which was a thing, <laughs> and you know the the big kind of highlight there was that you got fresh tortillas at the end. So it's it's just like you know interesting stuff for sure. But again, and the numbers proved this out, it's like, who in the right mind is going to spend, you know, a full uh, full admission for a theme park on this when you got Disneyland next door, <laughs> right? It's like, what are we doing? So, uh, so yeah, it, it, it definitely has come a long way. Pretty brutal. Nice to see where it's come. Definitely, you know, with Avengers Campus and stuff like that still more to come. So it's nice to see they're still really investing in that park and bringing it about. And yeah, it's just, it is a fun complimentary experience. Like a, uh, uh, it really is nice to have kind of that park hop and yeah, like enjoy the food over there. The food's generally pretty good over there. It's, it's just good times for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so they are, they've turned 20. This is their 20th birthday year. And, uh, and so unlike Disneyland 65th, where it was closed and they didn't really do anything, uh, there is a bit of excitement to look forward to with California Adventure. So we did have a letter to cast members from Disneyland president Ken Potrock, where he announced, quote, currently, uh, currently planned to begin mid-March. We will debut an all-new limited-time ticketed experience focused on our world-famous food and beverage offerings from around the resort, the latest merchandise, and unique, carefully crafted entertainment experiences, all to be offered multiple days a week. So, uh, so Henry, this definitely sounds like a pretty sizable extension to what's going on with Buena Vista Street, where, you know, they've got Buena Vista Street open with a few shops, a few places to eat now that we can eat again in public. Um, and uh, and that's pretty much it. But it sounds like this is going to be a whole lot more. Well, it, it sounds like they're doing maybe a festival light type event. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it. I imagine it's going to be really really well done um but i do feel like it, it's kind of like this is something that they probably should have been doing <laughs> a while ago um yeah and it, i don't know why they put it off for so long but i don't maybe there was there's probably definitely a lot more to it than than i know of course um why they didn't but um sure 
but it definitely sounds like, you know, something I'm kind of like, oh man, I'd love to experience that. It, just get like a taste of, of, uh, of Disney, you know, cause I imagine it's going to be uh, probably, uh, very similar to uh, uh, one of their food festivals, and those are always awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it definitely does sound like this is maybe more in line with what Knott's Berry Farm was doing last year. We were talking a little bit about it before uh, when that was going on, but yeah, where the park was open and it was a food festival and it was a ticketed event, so it was kind of controlled capacity. Um, you know, you were paying whatever it was, like $50 a ticket or something like that. Um, and we did have a report of Disneyland execs checking that out. So clearly that was that was something floating around in their mind. So yeah, it, it is nice to see that this is coming into for, uh, fruition. And it is, it, it's, it's interesting to think where they could take this. Like we know that there won't be any attractions running. So it, it, rides or anything like that are totally off the table. Um, you know, I, entertainment, I don't know. That'll be an interesting thing, right? Like, could they do some kind of, I mean, certainly like live music, I think maybe would make sense if that's, if that's something that they could, uh, they could organize. I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't. I think I read that there was, uh, that, that this was going to allow them to bring back a thousand cast members. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it sounds like a pretty substantial kind of thing that's going on. Um, and also what caught my eye, specifically he calls out our world-famous food and beverage offerings from around the resort. So it sounds like what they're teeing up is that this isn't just going to be what you would find at DCA, that uh, that Disneyland's food offerings are also on the table. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what kind of stuff are we going to see? Like, it's probably fair to assume we're going to see a Dole Whip. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mickey Beignets probably. Uh, but like, are, are we going to see like Plaza in fried chicken? Are we going to see, you know, mint juleps? Are we going to see, uh, you know, turkey legs and spicy pickles? Don't know. See, it's all fair game though, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that you might see the mint juleps cause then they could easily like say, Hey, here's the beignets. Here's the, the mint juleps since that's what they yeah. usually do anyways. So uh, I imagine that's a that's a pretty easy win for them, um, but yeah, I don't know about the fried chicken. That that's a little bit harder to pull off than than mint juleps. But yeah. uh, I mean, it it definitely. Uh, I think they they have a lot to pull from, um, but yeah, it's you know, it's something that I think they should have put in effect a while ago, unfortunately. But it, it's it's happening at least. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I mean, obviously it's, uh, with California's restrictions, maybe a little bit harder, especially when things kind of close back down, but who knows? Yeah. It's, it's a hard thing to, uh, to tab. It sounded like they were holding out hope for quite a while and maybe didn't want to pull the trigger on this until it was clear that, uh, the parks were going to remain closed for a while, but your, your kind of, um, your thought around a food festival is uh is probably pretty spot on. I mean, we we know that when the parks closed, they were they were still in the middle of that food and wine festival uh at DCA and there were a lot of people complaining about the fact that they still had purchased sip and saver passes that they weren't able to fully use because uh you know, the, the park closed before the festival was over. 
And so maybe this will give them an opportunity to uh, to use it without Disneyland having to issue like a ton of refunds. Um, I don't know how many were actually still out, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool opportunity for that. And also just the idea of food stands. Like I love the idea of the theme of the food stand being the area of whatever park they're kind of themed after. So, you know, you have your Adventureland food stand uh, where you have your Dole Whips. Uh, you have your New Orleans Square, uh, you know, stand where you've got your mint juleps and beignets and so on and so on and so on. Um, that seems really awesome. Like, you know, your Galaxy's Edge stand where you can get a Ronto wrap. Uh, I think that would just be so fun. Yeah, dude. Ronto wrap and some uh, some blue milk, green milk. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, iconic. As disgusting as they are, completely iconic. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that and just the idea of like, if it was like, hey, the theme of this festival are tastes of the Disneyland Resort. That is exciting, man, where I feel like I can go to a bunch of different stands and just get like my favorite treats from Disneyland. Dude, if, uh, you know, if I was a little closer, if I wasn't up in NorCal, then that might be convincing me to go down there. If only they had annual pass holder discounts. <laughs> Come on, Disneyland, give that, uh, give that legacy uh, pass holders a, a shout out here and, and provide some discounts for that. Hopefully that'll be the case, dude. That would be, we were talking about this uh, two weeks ago when this, when this program was announced, but man, not uh, providing discounts would be a major ball drop, I feel like, for, uh, for legacy pass holders. Yeah, I mean, this is an opportunity to kind of give them, uh, for them to kind of make good or at least make the legacy pass holders feel like that is actually a a deal, a, a, a special thing for them. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it, I wish I could, you know, I lived in the area and then I could take advantage of it and, and go to this thing. I imagine it's going to be crazy packed. So uh, more than likely, I imagine they're going to, they're going to do more of these until like we open up. Yeah. It seems like if they're getting the infrastructure in place, uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Because you're right. It's going to be, it's going to be so slammed. The demand is through the roof. So, uh, so yeah, if it's a ticketed event, I mean, sure. people, people are like, Already, like the uh, downtown Disney is already slammed with people, and then the you know as soon as they find out about this, and I mean the tickets go on sale, they're gonna be like sold out super quick, and then uh, and they'll just while they're saying this is like a limited time, yeah, it's limited for now until they see those that money, and then they're gonna they're just gonna keep putting them on until they're actually able to fully open. Which is smart. I mean, it's what they should do. And it's yeah, putting well, people to work. Totally, man. And and to their credit as well, like this is this is such an uh an un kind of Disneyland thing to actually happen, right? Like there is that there is still that rumor floating around that perhaps this this will also happen to Disneyland Park with Main Street USA. I'm not hundred percent sure I'm buying that. That might be a little bit too too far beyond the uh the pale for for such a classic park but 
Um, but certainly for DCA, I mean, I think even with that, it's it feels like such a weird kind of thing to be doing. But yeah, I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures. And it is one of those things where it's just like, it again, like it's all upside. So yeah, you have to imagine that maybe there might be some bumps along the road and they're just kind of testing the waters to see how things work out. But like, what what does this like wh- what does uh what does a bad experience with this or a failed kind of uh, uh attempt here even look like like it's just i mean again from the surface anyway it looks like it's just a slam dunk yeah i think i think the only thing i could say which would be like a like a failed attempt at this is if I, I would say it would be more on the crowd size side of things. And like, yeah. if you get a bunch of unruly people uh, acting up and then I think, but I think what will happen is, you, I don't know, actually at this point, it's even hard to tell how the crowds are going to react. Usually I say that the, the first comers are usually the ones that, you know, they, they kind of stay in line because they know how they're like super excited for this, but they also know, you know, if things go wrong, they're going to shut this thing down. <laughs> but, but I don't know at this point at this, you yeah. know, seeing how many like, you know, fights that happen and like, because of, because <laughs> of people just being tired of the shutdown, especially down in Southern California where, you know, the outbreaks have been the worst. And I, I imagine it's because they're worse because they keep having all these like fights, these breakouts of people like acting up during these like special events that, but even then I think it's, I don't think Disney would like, would suffer much from it. I think people would still, still would come to these things regardless. Yeah. And it's, it's like, sure. That's always a possibility, but I mean, they've had, Buena Vista Street open seems like things have been going well enough. And you're right. It's all going to be on how they control capacity. And hopefully they're planning on just kind of a much smaller, more intimate kind of crowd size at first, and then kind of scaling up from there. I would have to imagine that that's, that's going to be the case, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, either way, it's nice to see that they're broadening that experience out and, and and uh, kind of bringing more of DCA to the uh, to the people, if you will. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, sooner rather. Well, hopefully, sooner rather than later, we'll actually get the full parks open. But this is something. At least there's like some. This will give people hope and some light. Yeah. Uh, you know, give people a little taste uh, of what to you know satisfy them for a while. Exactly. It'll ease re-entry, right? <laughs> but uh, so we also got word out of Disneyland Resort that this upcoming Star Wars trading post, which is going to be located uh, along that downtown Disney area with uh, where the former Rainforest Cafe was, um, that's going to be a location where guests will be able to purchase Galaxy's Edge merch. But we got word that they will not be following the general kind of uh, canonical timeline that Galaxy's Edge is bound to. So just as a refresher, Galaxy's Edge is locked into really its own 
story arc that exists at the same time as whatever the Star Wars kind of uh, movies are. Um, so, or I guess where this last round of of movies are, be interesting to see if the if the whenever the newer batch of movies comes out, that's a different time frame. Then does Galaxy's Edge change? Who knows. Regardless, they're in their own fixed kind of timeline, uh, and there's no in and out crossing streams of different timelines that maybe different eras of Star Wars. Uh, exists and other movies have existed. So that's basically meant that you have not been able to purchase what you would consider traditional Star Wars merch within Galaxy's Edge. They have their own kind of thing. But because this new trading post that's coming out isn't locked into that timeline, they can sell whatever they want. So if you want to buy your, uh, if you want to buy your, you know, a young Lando Calrissian Cloud City action figure, then you can do that. You want to buy your, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, young Luke Skywalker from episode four. You can do that, uh, presumably. I don't know what they're going to have. Basically, like anything, like say, if you wanted to buy a shirt that had indoor on it or or had uh, Cloud City on it or something like that, you could get that at the trading post. You're not going to find that at uh, Galaxy's Edge because that's you know, pre this last trilogy. And that was kind of one of those things. It's like, why would you pigeonhole yourself to only, (laughs) (laughs) to only three movies? I mean, given, I know they were expecting to do more than just three movies uh, and to expand that. But even then some of these, even some of these new movies, like the Han Solo movie and the, uh, Rogue Squadron movie were pre like even the the first trilogy uh well Eps 4 5 and 6 so technically those can be you couldn't sell merch for those in yeah. uh, Galaxy's Edge so it's just like why would you limit yourself i think they had a plan uh moving when they first created the Galaxy's Edge I don't know if they should be sticking to that plan. I keep hearing things like it sounds like maybe because of Mandalorian, they're going to change that, which would make sense. I mean, you know, you're going to have, you're going to pigeonhole yourself. So you can't have like Darth Vader walking around galaxy's edge. That's kind of, not smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and so do you think to that point, I mean, we've, we've talked about our frustrations about this. Uh, yeah, quite a bit. And you know, yeah, that's you're hundred percent correct. That's a, I think the general consensus I would say, but do you think that this might be kind of that first indication of like, Hey, we're going to start seeing some of this, this loosening of the, uh, the restrictions that we've had on, on maybe some of this cross era, uh, uh, appearances, or do you think this is just a one-off? I think it's just a one-off for now, but you don't know at this point, uh, considering like how how hard uh, the parks were hit from the COVID, that it may just make sense that they start to loosen things. That and also just the the um, the uh, popularity of of the Mandalorian 
show yeah. and how they're like spreading that out because we we finally know that uh you know the show takes place before this new trilogy yeah so if you're gonna have like the man if you want to sell mandalorian goodies and stuff which is like a total like should be a no-brainer <laughs> uh it, I think you have to loosen that up, which makes, you know, would totally make sense that you kind of go back on that. I think nobody would fault them for doing that because I don't think the Mandalorian was in progress at the time that like, you know, when they first started, uh, you know, Galaxy's Edge, Galaxy's Edge started basically how like DCA started. But uh, I think they have yeah. a chance to kind of like revamp or at least like take off like you're you're basically handcuffing yourself which is just kind of one of those things you know that just makes sense you know that there's some some disney parks executive somewhere that is just like smashing everything in their office because they can't sell baby yoda merchandise in galaxy's (laughs) edge in their star wars land it's like one of the biggest kind of merchandising opportunities of like the decade for uh for Disney and Lucasfilm and they can't do they can't sell merchandise in the Star Wars land. Somebody has just got to be just furious. Uh, <laughs> like, and just like I said, just just trashing everything in their office probably on a daily basis because it is such a missed opportunity. So yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I don't think, uh, I think there would be very few people if certainly when Disneyland open or sometime soon after that, or, you know, next year or whenever, uh, there is like a soft reboot for the land and, you know, yeah, like it's still like Black Spire Outpost is still there. Uh, Batu is still there. Like the general sort of pillars are there. But just like the time frames are just significantly loosened up uh, because it just it just makes so much sense to do that. And it's just, yeah, exactly. No, no one would be too upset. So. Uh, so, yeah, that that wouldn't be too surprising, especially since, yeah, we I mean, you know, uh, spoiler, I guess. But like they're clearly doing more spinoff shows from The Mandalorian. And to your point. Yeah, this last trilogy is certainly in retrospect. Uh, I think it's probably um, being seen of as like less and less of a, a favorable thing for the uh, franchise. Mm-hmm. So um, it's certainly trending away from that. So yeah, it uh, it just all makes too much sense. So we'll see. But uh, but it'll well, be, let me ask you, know, you this. Yeah, yeah. Like say like you go back to like the kid you. If yep. I told you that you would go to a Star Wars themed, uh, uh, a Star Wars themed theme park, and you would go into a cantina, but you wouldn't hear the cantina music, would you believe <laughs> me when I told you that? No, no, yeah, it's 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 ludicrous for sure. I mean, it's ludicrous on many levels. That being said, um, you know, it, it, it is you know. <laughs> And I think even Iger made a comment along these lines, but like the Star Wars that they're making isn't the isn't necessarily my Star Wars. It's this generation that's coming up, uh, Generation Z or whatever the next generation after that. It's like their Star Wars that they're trying to 
make. And so while like, yes, we still watch it and enjoy it. It's like, it's less about us and our experience with past movies. And it's more about this current generation with the current product. So at, at least that's, that's the that's the kind of spiel <laughs> from from the higher ups about it uh, about why that wasn't the case. But like, uh, but again, like I agree, it's like Disney has one of the reasons that they've excelled with their theme park product uh, 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 recently within the last couple of decades, and why you and I are still attending the parks and still such big park fanatics and many other. Uh, uh, Gen Z and and beyond, like why it's a multi generational experience is that they do such a good job of balancing the old with nostalgia and the new up and coming, uh, you know, kind of technology and storytelling and interests. Like it's all just so well balanced, so that me as somebody that goes there with these great memories of Star Wars theoretically should still be able to live out my Star Wars fantasies and and have my kind of nostalgia itch scratched within this new Star Wars land that maybe is built for a newer audience in mind. But theoretically anyway, <laughs> at least the way that much of the rest of the park is built out is, is, is still kind of, uh, you know, like it's a cross-generational experience. And so, uh, you know, again, that's the kind of major failure of that is like, yeah, there just it, there really isn't anything for that. I shouldn't say anything like it. There's still things there like the Millennium Falcon is still the Millennium Falcon. It's not quite the Millennium Falcon, but it's still generally there. The experience of you know, walking into the bridge of the Millennium Falcon and at the sitting at the uh, sitting at the at the at the kind of um, at the game board there and then going into the pilot uh, seat and, and just all of that is still it that absolutely is fantasy fulfillment from kind of young me. But like there are just very few moments of that. And uh, and the problem, this is kind of pointing to your issue and the uh, that you pointed out and things that we've pointed out all along with this is that like, yeah, this newest trilogy isn't so well received. And I mean, maybe maybe eventually it'll kind of it'll kind of reemerge as maybe some of more of its parts. But at least for the for the time being, you know, I don't even think that the current generation coming up is like super pumped about this, uh, about the time frame that it's all taking place in and has like a super major attraction to, you know, uh, to the characters and that, I guess Ray, like the, a lot of young girls really like Ray, but like, do they, like, if that was to be princess Leia sometimes and Ray sometimes, like, is that, is that a big loss? Like, probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, uh, it's yeah. So, you know, well, I don't know. I think the thing that's interesting is that um, it's kind of like it feels like they kind of underestimated the popularity of the original trilogy and how iconic those I don't are. See how that's possible, but yeah, okay. yeah. yeah I, well, I mean, clearly they did. Well, I mean, or, well, or they overestimated what was coming out. I guess yeah. maybe, but it's funny because yeah, yeah. they they you know you're making this isn't for us. This is for these these people who are coming up after but the thing is is that those those people who those uh you know those guests the future guests that are going to be like 
drawn to that last trilogy. Those people don't have money right now. I do. <laughs> so, oh, dude, I totally agree with you. Like I said, this was this was the when when that started coming up. This was Iger's response to why uh, there isn't more representation of the kind of original trilogy Star Wars stuff. It's a, it was him that said, you know, we're building this for the future kind of Star Wars person in mind. So yeah, no, I mean it's. It's ludicrous. It's crazy. I, I still don't understand it. And you know, every every month that they haven't do, have that they haven't done a soft reboot is a major head scratcher. But I mean, I guess it makes sense now. It's they're they're there's no point in doing it now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When when things get really moving again at these parks, man, if they don't do that soft reboot, it'll be it'll be really. I, like I said, I I just I don't now, and I certainly won't in the future know what they're thinking if they don't do something like that. Well, I think now it totally makes sense that they do it because they basically are doing that with uh, the Disney plus shows since they basically all the stuff that they pretty much had in the pipeline for like, you know, you had the, like the Boba Fett movie, which, and then you had the, uh, well, I guess, now a TV show. Yeah, now a TV show. Uh, and now the, uh, you know, the Obi-Wan TV show is is going to come out. All these shows that yep. they have coming are all based off of, like, are going to be based in older Star Wars. So This now, is your Star Wars now. Yeah. So. Totally. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But, uh, you yeah. know, like I said, with Trading Post, nice to see that they're opening up a little bit. Hopefully, uh, that's a sign of things to come, but uh, but we'll see. You're probably right. It's a one-off. Anyway, we also did have uh, Q1 financial results, speaking of uh, financials, uh, happening this past week. Uh, and we did have CEO Bob Chapik speaking a little bit about Disneyland's closure and also the future of these enhanced health and safety procedures that, you know, is, is at any open Disney park and will be, at least for the... Uh, looking into the near future here. He didn't talk about anything that's too crazy or unexpected or something that, you know, uh, we probably weren't thinking of anyway, but he did give uh, some very high-level ideas in terms of just various timelines that they're looking at. So first up, Disneyland. Based on the state guidelines that we've talked about quite a bit already, and just the slow rollout of vaccine distribution that they've seen so far, Disney's current expectation is that Disneyland will remain closed until at least late spring. But uh, but again, summer is probably more realistic, at least in their minds. They, they're still planning on uh, opening up Avengers Campus this year at some point. But uh, but yeah, it's all, of course, dependent on when things are going to be moving forward with the parks. And then on the topic of vaccines, Chapik did mention that the company is keeping a close eye on distribution and guidance when it comes to the mandatory mask and social distancing requirements that are at all Disney parks, quote, that could accelerate our expectations and give people confidence that they need to come back to the parks Will there be an overlap until we know what we have? uh, Sorry. Will there be an overlap until we know that we have herd immunity? Sure, there will. But do we believe we'll be in the same state 
of six foot social distance and mask wearing in 2022? Absolutely not. They also did confirm already that pretty much mask wearing, social distancing, going to be the norm throughout this year. So 2021, that's just going to be the the way that it is. And then they're going to wait and see. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's I, I, I don't think that Disneyland being closed potentially to summer is a major surprise given where we're at, right? Yeah. I mean, I think what they said, uh, they don't expect... Uh, and to actually vaccinate everybody or at least get most of America until like, I think at last I heard was like Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think it depends. Like they just, I, well, well, I mean, yeah, you're change. right. It, it's all up in the air. Who knows? But, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. I think regardless, uh, even when Disneyland does open to what you were saying earlier, it's not going to be easy to get in there. It's going to be high demand. Uh, safe to say that I might have to move my New Year's resolution of eating at every establishment within Disneyland Park. Might have to move that to 2022 because I may not be able to get to Disneyland this year. Dude, if it's only open for the second half of the year, that's a, that's a hot ticket, man. Well, by the way, Lori doesn't think you can do it. Yeah, I, uh, you know, like I said, when we when we were going over the individual restaurants and how many there were, I had I had some second guesses myself, but I'm still confident I can do it. And I know you're confident I can do it too, Henry. I know you believe in me. Now the question, well, the thing she brought up is you said one day. Yeah. Yep. I did. Yeah. It's impossible in one day. You couldn't do it in one it's Im- day. It's impossible? Yeah. You just couldn't eat that much, I don't think. Well, this is what I'm saying. Miserable. So, well, I I don't think not being miserable was part of the agreement. I well, think I went, I, I'm going in eyes wide open here. Well, I mean, unless you're going like, to purge at some point, which I think is, <laughs> is, is, is a foul there. That would, that would be a foul. I think you need to. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think, I think, I think I can't do that. No, I mean, a, a core part of the strategy is to space it out so that, you know, I'm, I'm not getting hit with big, heavy food items regularly so that I'm spacing it out. So it's like, maybe I get a smaller kind of like food item here and there, space it out, maybe a salad here and there. Nah, I don't think so, man. (laughs) Even, even just eating. I mean, now you also have to eat all that you you're getting. I I just don't think you can get it. Do it. Mm -mm. Listen, Hey man. I uh, I don't choose resolutions because they're easy to accomplish. Yeah, I do them. I choose ones that really are challenging that put me to the test. Make people ask themselves, "Are you really going to do that? Is that even possible?" <laughs> and you know what I do, Henry? I blow. Their goddamn minds every time. <laughs> that's what that's what this is. I don't know. That's man. what this is, Henry. This is the bubblegum ice just... cream challenge all over again, man. This is bubblegum ice <laughs> cream. <laughs> that's a deep cut. We'll have to go into that uh, some other time. 
this is just another stepping stone in the legacy, Henry. That's all this is. <laughs> you're you're a part of it. I mean, I'll help and you finally, <laughs> and and fi- you'll help me out uh, out the exit. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, despite the fact that it still doesn't have an opening date, Universal Japan still held passholder previews for Super Nintendo World and just lifted the embargo this past week. As you would imagine, dude, there is a ton of content already out there covering every square inch of this place. But Henry, how incredible does it look? I mean, it, it looks like what you were expecting. I mean, they pretty much were showing off all this stuff anyways. It's just, it just makes you feel like, ah, like, you know, I got serious FOMO. <laughs> Dude, seriously. It really was like, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely was like, I want to see this. I want to check it out. It really got me excited to go to uh, a theme park in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, was, it just looked like a lot of fun. But um, yeah, you're right. Like they definitely had uh, shown off a, a, a majority of the space already, but there was just something about people being in it and just seeing just the 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 open space just in general, but the verticality of it, mm. seeing just the kinetic kind of energy and the movement of all of these creatures and objects uh, I thought was spectacular, man. It, 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 it exceeded my expectations even after, you know, uh, even after uh, uh, we had seen everything, it felt like (laughs) it was like, Oh wow, this is, this is, uh, this is even better than I was thinking, man. Like just seeing like all those coins and the Goombas and the piranha plants. And, you know, you've, you've got the Yoshi ride that has that exterior uh, portion of it kind of running in the background, so you're constantly seeing these Yoshis running around. Looked incredible. Well, it's the, I mean, it's it's the attention to detail, and as a, as a theme park, you know, enthusiast, you know, you, you want that immersion into the world, and this is totally that. This is, they went yeah. all in on that, and it's like, you know, you just, like, you imagine what living in a, a Nintendo Mario type game would be like this is that this is this is that like fantasy fulfilled yeah yeah the the one question i definitely had so you know they were they definitely had a lot of videos of people picking up those power up bands first of all man those power up bands look chonky dude mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they were just some big big boys sitting on your wrist right there uh but the question I had was, okay, after I visited the land twice, like, am I really going to be interacting with all of this stuff again? Like, what is the kind of return value of having a power-up band? Like, I don't, me personally, I don't see going up to coin boxes more than a couple times or hitting those kind of note boxes more than more than a few times or participating in kind of like a group boss fight a few times. Um, I had a feeling that maybe it's kind of like a novelty that'll be really cool at first and then very quickly wear off and I'll, I'll never return to ever again. Well, I mean, it's, I think we also have to 
to some degree, this could be also something that is more a cultural thing too. Because while, yeah, it may not appeal to us or we may not think about like, oh, how would it, you know, I'll use this once and I'll never return to this again. But this is in Japan. So that's, you know, that's pretty much going to be their audience is going to be mostly Japanese. So, I mean, it's, you know, it may go over well. Again, though, I'm not saying you're wrong. I mean, I think with something like that it depends on how they they continue up with it how they yep. keep up with it and and continue to roll out stuff to take advantage of that stuff so i don't know um because there is no real like you know history of this that we can go by um as far as other than we know that nintendo does not shy away from from making sequels of things um it's true but they don't have a history of doing a lot of dlc for their games yeah. which right. would this would be kind of like that um and they're not big on internet like uh play <laughs> so i don't know i mean this is i think we're in new territory so right. i think it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of a wait and see but if I was going to go there, I would definitely get one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. You'd, you'd have to. I. Uh, th- they're coming to the U.S., right? Like, uh, I know there's been no announcement about it, but there's no way that such a big feature like that isn't also in the various other versions, right? Yeah, I think it. Uh, um, the problem is, remember, California and their tracking software. So I don't know what there is there your phone that sounds lame yeah i i don't know but i would hope that they would um so something i mean yeah (laughs) i mean (laughs) it's it's cool it's a cool thing and i i i think they need to have something akin to that uh having it on your phone sucks uh just outright (laughs) it just that's just super lame i want to have a band that i don't have to stop and think about and pull out my phone and because the the, there's just too many problems with the phones you know when in theme parks you know given like they're getting better with it but there's been too many times even in dca where like i didn't get connection and and like a part of the park and so i don't want to have to rely on that Uh, yeah yeah, definitely true. I mean, oh, also, this being kind of COVID era and even near post-COVID era, the idea of kind of rubbing your phone up against these, like, touch mm-hmm. points that tons of other people are touching as well is not so uh, not so hot. Um, but a couple of other things that definitely stood out to me, man. The, the food oh. looked also incredible. <laughs> it was, yeah. like, really unique stuff that, uh, that you're just not going to find anywhere else uh, that looked like, you know, it was themed beautifully, of course, like all of Japan's theme parks have uh, expertly themed food. So that's definitely not a surprise. But but like I said, just the fact that it's all stuff that you, like, you're never going to find that anywhere else is, uh, is super cool. And, you know, in a couple of the videos they showed, um, one of the restaurants had, it was like an indoor restaurant, but it had windows built into the walls and the windows looked out into a virtual environment where like toadstools were 
walking through and couldn't tell if it was interactive. It looked like it was like raining outside in real life. And so the clouds were were raining um, in this virtual window. So that looked incredible. Like I, I loved that idea. I thought that was super cool, really selling that idea that like, yeah, you're looking out into, you know, the mushroom kingdom. And of course it also satisfies universals, just never ending thirst for video screens. So it's just really, <laughs> yeah. it's just really killing two birds with one stone there. Uh, you know, there was a couple of videos posted of the, um, the Koopa challenge dark ride. That's really the, the e-ticket attraction of super Mario. Also the one that for sure is coming, um, to the other parks as well. So this is, this is the one that we've been, uh, hearing all about this new kind of, uh, augmented reality component too. But, um, so that was shown off as well. Uh, the ride generally looks pretty cool. Like it's very, of course, well themed. The th- the the queue looks fantastic. You're entering in Bowser's castle. You're going through this kind of like racing environment where you're seeing like the trophies and everything like that that we've seen those pictures of. Uh, but you know the idea that you're participating in this like huge race with uh, the that you know Koopa's participating in and 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 hosting as well. Is, uh, is just really sold expertly here. Uh, and then you get to the ride itself, and de- it was it was an interesting mix, man. It was uh, that mix of augmented and uh, physical sets, and really the augmented looked like it was mostly used to show other drivers within the Mushroom Kingdom um, that were racing against you. So it looked like a Mario Kart game almost in, in the glasses, but they were only the other characters being projected on the track. Uh, and then also there was like some element where you could, you know, people were picking up shells and throwing shells. It was, it was not super clear, at least from the videos that we were seeing, like certainly that's an interactive element. How interactive is it? How dynamic is it? It looked like you were really only doing stuff mostly against these other kind of superimposed racers. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was hard to tell just how interactive it was. There were, there were a lot of points (laughs) where there was just a lot going on in those glasses, man. (laughs) It was a lot of action happening, uh, at once and looked like maybe they were trying to make it seem like you were moving a little bit faster than you physically were by, um, kind of adding in these kind of like, you know, wind streaks and whatnot, but any, just a lot going on. And, and certainly, uh, you know, very hard to tell when you're looking at it in from the perspective of like a video camera on a ride looking out through a pair of glasses, like how convincing the effect is going to be. But I mean, what's there definitely looked pretty cool. I want to like caveat to people. It's been my experience when dealing with like VR stuff. Um, you can see VR like what people are seeing in VR you can't don't you you have to take it with a grain of salt cuz you know it, it may look like oh well that doesn't look all that great in the VR it's a lot better when you're actually in it it's something you really have to experience for yourself and it just doesn't come off right when you're watch, looking at it on a screen flat screen and you're not involved with it so i imagine the the ar stuff is probably the, very similar to that and that while like 
they're doing their best to kind of show what it looks like, but it's going to come off very flat compared to what you're experiencing in of itself when you're there in it. So I imagine it's probably like you said, it's like they're trying to give you a sense of speed. You probably feel it when you're actually in there. Um, I know that uh, when I'm in, when I'm in VR, you know, I get like a, like a sequence where you drop or something. I totally feel it. And it, Mm. (laughs) somebody jumps in my face. I'm totally jumping. So it, it, even though it, it feels like you, you know, it should be not as effective. It's very effective. And, uh, in my experience with the old uh, Spider-Man ride, where it was just 3D, that mix of movement with the 3D makes it makes that 3D so much more effective. Uh, so I imagine the AR is is amazing. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great caveat for sure. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it, the other people that were on the ride looked like they were definitely feeling it. So there's no reason to believe that it's not super effective, but. Uh, but yeah, it's a totally different kind of a ride experience. Very much looking forward to checking it out. Uh, also, of course, there's a Yoshi ride. We mentioned that earlier. Um, that looked interesting. I mean, it was definitely very low key, very, very family friendly, I guess you could say. It basically looked like uh, an Omni Mover uh, ride, like you'd find with like Haunted Mansion or something like that, but you're inside of a Yoshi. And it's kind of slowly moving throughout like an outdoor environment and a couple of indoor environments that play uh, just some kind of fun, kind of cheery Yoshi scenes. Not the most impressive thing, but again, that's not necessarily its intention. It is meant to be kind of the family friendly. I think if I remember correctly, this ride is not coming to Hollywood anyway. So, uh at least from what I can tell, doesn't seem like a huge loss, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if nothing else, like I said, the big thing that I thought that it really added to was just that initial sense of scale and scope in the overall land. Because when you're looking out on it, you see those Yoshis kind of crossing this land bridge and it just looks really cool. But, uh, but yeah, the ride itself was, was kind of, I guess, take it or leave it for me. But, uh, but yeah, man, it, uh, again, the whole, the whole thing, uh, the whole land taken as a whole just really looks incredible, dude. Like it, you're right. It makes me super jealous that I can't check it out. Uh, who knows when it's actually going to be open because Japan is, is still in its kind of in limbo with its state of emergency. And so there's no official date on the park yet. Uh, uh, so, or on the land yet, but man, uh, how lucky are uh, Japanese park goers, man, because they have new fantasy land opening up at Tokyo Disneyland with the Beauty and the Beast Dark Ride. And then they have Super Mario. Uh, they have the Super Nintendo land opening up with uh, with uh, this Mario Kart ride, uh, Koopa's Challenge. So, man, definitely good times if you're a Japanese park goer right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have a lot to look forward to. And if anything, I, I imagine it's going to be like rough for them because it's just it's just right there. It's just right there, but they just can't experience it yet. I guess it's the same with us for uh, Avengers Campus. It's just right there. It should be it should be open. It's just about <laughs> open, <laughs> dude. Yeah, they. Uh, I guess they have pictures of Avengers Campus all lit up now because at nighttime they're they're hitting the lights. 
And so, uh, so yeah, it looks really cool there too, man. Yeah. It's mm. hopefully, hopefully this year, Henry Hall, yeah. get to see all that in action. Hopefully fingers crossed. Well, that just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you made it this far, hopefully enjoying the podcast. So don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and hit that like button. This has been episode 46 of The Great Park Hop. and We'll catch you in two weeks. Until then, stay healthy, everybody. Henry! You take care, big guy. Take care. Take care, everybody. Bye. And you got to check out WandaVision, Henry. It it is really incredible. (laughs) Yeah, we're waiting to get enough episodes and then we're going to... Oh, man. It's it's so good. All right. Bye. (laughs)